This week's episode is brought to you by Rushing Pins. Rushing Pins, I gotta go by. Hey, uh, just a quick announcement for you guys. Uh, we recorded this episode on Tuesday, Tuesday, May 1st. This is before we received the news of Amaterasu getting the, with the Protect Gift, having 12,000 power. So just keep that in mind, okay? I'm Atlas, and I look like an old Yu-Gi-Oh card. I'm Matt, and I'm still hyped about Dayusha. <laughs> great Dayusha. I'm Rootbeer, but my actual name is Alvin, that I never use. I mean, I've, we've called you Alvin a couple times, but I guess it just didn't take. But it's whatever. I mean, like, do you want us to stop calling you Rootbeer, or... No. Okay. <laughs> just pointing it out, because we're spicing up our intros. Yes, of course. I mean, like, to those who don't know, the reason that uh, his nickname is Rootbeer is your, his last name begins with a W, so it's A&W. And then uh, when we were all in college, we had another Alvin in our friend group. So it was just to make it less confusing. We could have called the other one Arizona, though. Why? Because his uh, last name started with a Z? Yeah. Yeah, but th- then, I don't know. I just, beer Arizona. Well, because root beer is less syllables. That's how, I, I think that's how we got, I got the win on that. Anyway. All right. Uh, so, like we said, welcome to Nexus at Night. Uh, if you want us to stop doing the uh, intro spicing, yell at us on Twitter. But uh, this week, like every week, uh, we're going to go through the reveals that Bruchero had put out, so... Housekeeping. Housekeeping? Go away. I come in anyway? No. I come in anyway. Um, let's see. So starting off, uh, they they re-released Star Drive and Crested Dragon, which were in the, what, the Flash deck, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and they come in the TD, it looks like, by their pictures. Yeah, they both come in their respective Royal Paladin and Kagro TDs. Uh, Both have the Force Gift. And then for Star Drive Dragon, it's uh, on Rearguard Circle when it attacks a Vanguard. If you have three or more Rearguards, it gets plus 5k. And then for Crested, it's if your opponent has three or less, plus 5k. Whatever. It's fine. Um, I mean, at at least it makes riding it not completely suck, right? I mean, they're pretty bad. Like, the point of riding it is that you get a gift. Yeah. And then Vanguard skill is their gift, and then they have a Rearguard skill. If you're playing this card, you're very unhappy. If you're if you're playing this card, you're trying the game out for the first time, and you're like, "Oh, this is interesting," or whatever. This is a yep. this is a very episode one card. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> so we also have uh, so th- there's going to be this big uh, ultra big card fest, whatever they're calling it, uh, and they're giving away like a promo blaster blade, but it has like no text. And so it's exactly like the URL ones that we had in English that are just, you know, it's exactly the stats of Blaster Blade with no text. So you can play this card. It just is a 10k with 5k shield with no abilities. Similarly to the old Blaster Blade, there's a 9k vanilla with no abilities. That, that we, was in the original Flash deck, though, right? Uh, no, it was a promo giveaway. Oh. There's I re- two promos. So both promo number 0 and promo number 1 are, fi- are 9k Blaster Blades with no effects. Yeah, right. one has a URL on it about learning about card fight Vanguard, and one is like an alternate art of Blaster Blade. Weird. I remember when the Blaster Engine came out in English, some people were playing the effectless vanilla Blaster Blade just because they could. Well, did you ever even... Like, no one ever uses the effects, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, but, like, yeah. It, it it was arguably easier to just get the one with the effects, slash have the effect available to you. 
I don't know, man. The URL one was really cheap. Oh my god. Yeah. I think it was like five bucks. Like, if you're running the blaster engine, it doesn't really matter what blaster blade you're using. So just get whatever is cheapest, which is probably the promo ones. I mean, yeah. I would have just liked having the option of <laughs> killing something in the front row. And you're, never gonna that. you're not going to use CB on that ever, much less two. I mean, if you have the bark gall in the back row, it doesn't matter. But okay, the bark gall grade one. Sorry. Anyway, uh, what's the, okay? This grade two looks something like a, like a very early Yu Gi Oh card, doesn't it? Wait, what? Herculean Knight Alabrox. It he's what got nine K, and it says if you have five rear, uh, if you have five rear guards, this unit cannot be attacked. Oh yeah, that guy is uh, something weird. I don't know. The art seems so out of the ordinary. Yeah, it is definitely a little weird. Also, he's terrible, just in general. Yo, that's messed up. I mean, he's got a bird on his shoulder, but like, just the, I don't know, that effect, you, the, the fact that you have to have a full board to not be attacked, who cares? Yeah, it's pretty if, fair. If anything, I would, I like, seeing that effect, I would go, okay, I want to retire something just so that I can attack it, just to be like, ha ha, suck it. Yeah, that's kind of something you would do. But man, the foils look sick. TDs. Yeah. We'll get to that momentarily, but right. there's also a Lizard Soldier Raup... What is it? Raupia? Raupa? Raupia. Okay. Raupia. Yeah. Yeah, so 8k for Kagero. When your opponent's rear guard is retired during your turn, it gets plus 5k. That was a great one, Bellicosity. Yeah. So, in Lake Bellicosity, he has to be around to see it. Right. As opposed to, what's her name from last week, the Dragon Dancer. But, yep. fine. Good, I guess. Anyway, uh, shiny stuff in the TDs. <laughs> You're excited about it? So, it all looks sweet, right? Yeah. You get, like, uh, one of the foil grade threes. You get two foils of whatever the lead card is. So, like, Blaster Blade or Dio. But yeah. they're different art. <laughs> so, if you want to match your foils... You need four TDs. Which, because this is me we're talking about, I'm going to have to buy four TDs. I'm a monster. Yep. Or if you match, you want to match your non-foils, I believe you need two TDs. Which? Non-foils have the same mark. Or you could just trade your foil for someone's non-foil. True. I mean, I I might do the the non-foil route just to A, uh, complete my OCD dream of having all of the same art. And B, pissing off Matt. <laughs> wow, rude. But, but wouldn't pissing off Matt be running two different arts? Is it? Yeah. You need two different arts. I know I do. It's specifically to trigger Matt. Yeah, you, you need two different arts so that it works. Also, there's like a random grade one in each TD that's foiled for some reason. Uh, let's see. Great oh, well, Squire, Allen. Yeah, in Draconic Overlord deck, it makes more sense because it's in the Holloman Bar, right? Yeah. But in the Royal Paladin one, they just pick random cards. <laughs> yeah, because Aichi doesn't have any signature grade ones. Marin? Not even Marin. Oh, Mar- Marin well, that's a, guess, that's not in the start the trial deck though. That's in the set proper. You're right. Yeah, but, like he doesn't have any position. signature grade ones in the trial deck. Mm-hmm. I mean, this Allen guy seems fine. It's not. It looks okay. The the problem with Royal Paladin is it's all it's all white armor and blue skies, and that's it. <laughs> yep. And then. I don't know. Kagura, I guess, has a more dynamic art style to it. Like, you have maybe blue skin, Although, red skin, and red armor, and, you know, 
different color backgrounds. Although the Kai trial deck is foiling Dragon Armored Knight instead of Nahalem for whatever reason. Yeah, I'm very oh, yeah. confused by that. Oh, is that who that is? Yeah. Sure. Do they all look the same to me? All the Dragon Knights look exactly the same. <laughs> uh, what, what was uh, Dragon Armored Knight's effect? It was just something something plus 5k. I think it was like three or less rear guards the opponent. So it's like cre- the Crested Dragon. Yeah, yeah but in Great Two form where it's slightly more useful. Uh, let's see. Yeah, if it attacks a Vanguard, if they have three or less rear guards, plus 5k. Yep. Cool. Um, and there's the two Dragonic Overlord arcs. Which admittedly Arms look pretty awesome. One. Both of them. You could use the Derpy... There's, I don't know, both the Blast Blades look pretty similar to me. One One's kind of standing at, like, withdrawn in on himself, where his, or he's, like, got his arms crossed over the sword, and the other one, he's, like, more spread out. One of them is, like, has a really busy background because of Dice Gizuka, so... The guy who did oh. the Ace and all the other fucking overlords. Gotcha. But all his backgrounds are always, like, a giant mess. Yeah, that's true. Well, also, the foiling probably doesn't help, because it's this kind of, like, uh... It's, like, hexagonal... Shape. I mean, th- there's nothing new to be gained in terms of like effects revealed, but just cool shiny shit. <laughs> so mm-hmm. let's see. And then there was also uh, it's for the big card fest in Japan. Yeah, th- th- uh, that was last weekend. Oh. Basically, the important things are the, the starters for royals. The starters that come in the royal and Kagura stuff. The one you ride on, you draw a card. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of being four runners. Yeah. And then the uh, Dranzi. What do you guys think of like the new starters being like that? Uh, I like so there. So what I like about it is that it doesn't make having a starter like as important. Like mm-hmm. because against a lot of decks, you just knew your starter wasn't going to live. And especially like if we look at like a deck like Gear Carnicle throughout most of G era, your yeah your starters didn't exist like in ninety percent of games. Before first it was Calibum, which existed very early in Gear Carnicle, and then there was uh, the. Pulsar, or whatever is that? The whatever the Pulsar Dragon thing that Soul Blast one, or, um, yeah, yeah. Buying top card, send a rearguard back with grade less than it, or and equal then, or less or something. Yeah, yeah equal. So it always hit zeros, and you're like, okay. Yeah, so like starters that were easily consumed were yeah. best. So things like you know Mecha Trainer, Conroe. Non-GB starters. Yeah, non-GB starters. This is why I went back to Blackboard Parrot in Great Nature was because I could get it out of the way pretty quick. Get your value. Yeah. Get it out. Get it out. Yeah. Your starter is like, if you had a GB starter, it just didn't have an effect, basically. But now that it's like a draw, do you do you think that's better, or...? Uh, it's better some of the time. Mm-hmm. It makes some interesting choices for clans that don't have better options in premium, yeah. which is going to be not many, because most of the clans that are good in premium are going to have good starters to begin with. But uh, I hope they still make other starters that, like, match. Yeah. And yeah, also... Like something to consider is that it also means that you have to intentionally call a vanguard booster now. Yep. Yeah. So, so this is even worse for clans like Royal Paladin, right? Because this is a rear guard that you're just not getting. You have to like actually make an extra call. Yeah. But, like you could say that the replacement does make the call for you, but but it's random. Royal Paladin starters that were forerunners and had the ability to do something else were pretty strong. Even Wingle Brave. But it, it was a unit into another unit. I mean, in in both cases, the purpose of the forerunner was to make up for the ride minus in right. the in the first turn of the game, which the drawing a card does do that. It's just that 
because you don't have a tangible results of what that's going to be until the card is in your hand, then that that could be very good or very bad. All right, I drew a draw trigger. I mean, it's Yay. much better than the stuff we had before where it was like counterblast one, sack it, draw a card or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You'd rather just take the draw immediately. So it does improve on a lot of already kind of poor starters, but will definitely be worse than things like than, you know, just very powerful things like Mecha Trainer and Conroe. Yeah. Um, it's a good start for Standard, though. Yeah, it's fine. Good Especially since Cosmo's going to be running around since day one, so you can pretty much assume your starters are, like, non-existent. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> I, I, I just hope that uh, Pale Moon gets a new Hades Ringmaster that isn't complete butt. <laughs> yep. Because I, I liked the art of Hades Ringmaster, and it just, when you ride on top of it, you soul charge. Cool. So I'm pretty sure that um, terrible. all Chronodrans are available in SP now. I believe so. The original yeah. G and Z. And isn't Z the best one, anyway? Uh, I think that's one people playing notice. Yeah. I don't. I, I so, didn't really see people play G, just the original. No, never played G. Yeah. In, never. But Z is actually like, decent. So. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, a couple of my friends play ZTV, I see. I haven't actually played against them yet, but like I see them using... Chronodron Z. Bullshit. What? Actually, GBT-14 is just bullshit. Yeah. The whole set is like, <laughs> lol, Vanguard. I mean, if if they wanted to kind of do like a Storch Earth policy before doing the reboot, fine, I guess. But, yeah. So <laughs> GBT-14 is just... It exists. G- and uh, GBT-14 was a nuke on the metagame. It was... Alright, we're, we're just gonna... Everything all at once... Were you absurd before? You better hope so, because everything's going to get a lot more nutty. Life in the fast lane. Everything, all the time. Well. <laughs> um, another reveal we got was uh, Lion Mane Stallion, so this is continuing the long-winded uh, tradition of the King of Knights Alfred's horse being its own card. So uh, it's just, if you have four, it's a great one with 7k. If you have four or more rear guards, it it's, uh, gets plus 3k. Sure. Cool, I guess. It, they could have freely made that work on Vanguard. Yeah. I mean, and, and even even if, <laughs> like, they didn't do it, fucking, who cares anymore? It's like... Right? This could have worked on Vanguard mostly because it, it would, what, you could have called three, four cards so it's a 10k? No. <laughs> well, I, th- oh, I think because they wanted to kind of avoid a, a rush deck type of thing going on. But even then, that's not even a problem because of the new rules. So... You're right. It's dumb. But the the coup de grace of this week, and uh, part of the main topic, is the Ashura Kaiser, which I will let one of you guys take this one. I guess I'll do it. Go for it. Ashura Kaisers. Uh, When your drive check reveals a grade 2 or greater card, stand one of your rear guards. And if the revealed card is grade 3 or greater, you can pay counterblast 1, and the rear guard gets plus 10,000 power. Grade 2 or greater, huh? All right. That's pretty good. Any so interesting features about this card. Oh, oh and it's also a 12k power base instead of a 13k. What the fuck? And this right. and it has the Excel gift. Yeah. So this is the first Excel grade three we've seen. Yes, in and full, it's a 12k. Anyway. It has a sweet ability. <laughs> <laughs> what the, What was the original Kaiser when you drive checked a grade three stand something? It might have been grade three or greater. Yeah. 
Six nope, to one. Exactly. It's when just grade three. Yeah, exactly grade three, and oh, it has to be a Nova yeah. Grappler because this was back when you could mix clans. <laughs> right, right. Also, if you did not have a Nova Grappler, it lost two K. Or the fake Lord. This was actually pre-Lord, so it was like, yeah. this was the one where they allowed you to mix, but only if you kept at least one other Nova Grappler. So you couldn't. It can be couldn't be your only Nova Grappler. Like Draconic, the original Draconic Overlord has the same line of text. Or if you don't have another Cogro, it loses 2k. Yeah. So, But you could always just put Gojo somewhere, and it's like, okay, I'm good. Very odd. Because instead of hitting, you know, like 8 or 10 cards out of your deck, it's now hitting closer to 20. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty good out of a 49-card deck. Yeah. So now you're at least standing something once every time he attacks. Like, more than likely. It's, it's almost a bummer that stand triggers aren't a thing <laughs> in this case. Well, I mean... Well, no. front triggers are pretty dope, too. But Right. Now, it's going to be awkward. So, a lot of the time, you're probably going to want to attack with one column, attack with Kaiser, attack with the other two. Uh-huh. I think that's going to be, like, fairly standard. Well, I mean, what you could do is just attack with your Excel circle, because it already has a natural plus 10k. Yep. So, I assume Nova team. Grappler will get a 13k beater, so it's just toss a 13k, it attacks for 23... And then if you get the skill off, you restand attack with 23 again. And then if that was a great 3, it can be 33. Yeah. yeah. So, like, each poke is a minimum of one and a half cards if we're running off our old assumption that 10Ks are one card and 5Ks are half a card. Yeah. Although, well, I, I, I'm a, pretty sure we're going to have to, like... trigger or two cards, right? Yeah. If it's, thir- if it's 23 or 13, that's a trigger or two cards. Mm-hmm. We we really ought to ha- sit down and rehammer out that system again because like what counts as a card versus a half a card has been completely skewed by triggers you know having well, more shield. Everything having a different shield value makes it a lot hard to judge what is a card, quote unquote. Yeah. So like 10k is still the line where it goes from being just a normal unit to a trigger, right? So once once you were you're hitting for you know stage three guard, your opponent needs a trigger or better. So you can still say like. 10k shield above is still, like, pretty close to two cards, but not quite. It's gonna take, like, you, you can't think about it in cards as much as you can think about it in, like, poker hands, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> this or better? So, in, in terms of the effect, it's just top-notch. <laughs> Look, yeah. Looks pretty this, good. Yeah, this is definitely stronger than the original Ostra Kaiser. Uh, just being able to hit, like, over twice as many cards. Even mm-hmm. if, and you can like force your deck to play like lots of grade threes, right? Yeah. And want to play lots of grade twos anyway, since they're they're your main attackers. But that would require mm-hmm. you to be on grade ones, which is more doable now that you can put PGs in your draw trigger slot, which you likely will still be playing. I mean, they haven't revealed the draw trigger PG for Nova Grappler. Yes. I'm just assuming they also have one. Me too, but just. One for no reason, so why not? It ain't over till it's over. Um, But what do you guys think about him being a 12k versus a 13k? I mean, like, well, because having a free Vanguard booster isn't going to be standard as far as we know right now, like, putting on pressure with your Vanguard is going to be harder because a grade one is now two to pass. Yeah. Assuming your opponent's on a 13k base. Yeah. So, like, 
his actual skill kind of makes up for it because most likely you're going to be able to get a free restand on your Excel circle, but then you're also kind of making that trade-off where it's a lot easier to defend from Vanguard pressure, so... Like, feeling obligated to put a PG down on the Vanguard isn't really a thing as much. Well, he's also going to be, um... This is also a clan with front triggers. Mm-hmm. So, just, you know, drive checking in general is a lot safer, I guess, in terms of, uh... Yeah. Like, knowing but, what things to put on what. Yeah, but, like, two pa- Even with front triggers, like, yeah. two passing on a twin drive is still a relatively safe bet, even if front triggers makes your... Uh, power distribution a little easier. Now, I don't know if anybody ever played during the, like, BT-13, BT-12, like, early Link Joker, but Great Nature used to have a deck with Leopold Reverse, where his skill was you could lock something, pick two rear guards, give them 4k each, and they died at the end, but they would uh, automatically be called back, so you you could, you know, double or triple up on... Leopold still, so you would have, alright, my right column attacks for 37, my vanguard attacks for 11, my left column attacks for 34. Like, it, the, the center was, like, just this dinky little poke that you did almost as a formality for drive checks, which was fine. Um, that deck was sweet. It was super <laughs> fun. I had a great time with it. But, um, I feel like maybe early Nova Grappler, at least for standard, is gonna be like this, maybe. Where your, where your rear guards matter more. Or they're doing a yeah, lot of heavy Yeah, definitely. Lifting. Yeah, the main thing that's going to come out of your Vanguard is his drive checks. And if we include triggers as like a relevant drive check for Azura Kaiser, mm-hmm. we're looking at 36 cards that are like relevant checks. Yeah. Which is insane. That's over half your deck. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Like a and good chunk over half your deck. You have 28 or thir- 28 to 30 of them being like, and I'm assuming you play like 8 to 10 grade threes, mm-hmm. which is probably a low estimate, but you know, whatever. Um, like, 20, 28 to 30 of them are, like, give lots of power and or, like, give lots of power or possibly an extra attack, mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy. So, yeah, sweet. The, um, what was it, uh, Chris Brazos, a.k.a. Different Fight on YouTube, uh, tweeted about this. He says, it's going to be really interesting if Forks clans are the only ones at 13k base, both in terms of strategy and deck building. So... Mm-hmm. There are some speculations that because the first Excel grade 3 we've seen has 12k power, all the forced grade 3s we've seen for the most part have uh, 13k power, that protect grade 3s are going to be 14k. What do you think about this? I think 14k would be really insane. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> the, the cards we've seen, like, as they make them, like, we're look if you look at something like Let's just look at the vanillas, because they kind of dictate how the game is going to be played. If we look at... Like, so they make all make 18 columns, minus uh, future card, right? Yeah. So they all make 18 columns, which would not hit well against Protect Clans. At least mm-hmm. the vanillas we've seen in Force Clans yeah. don't hit, wouldn't hit well against a 14k base, but hit fine against a 12k base and hit you know right on the number against another uh, 13k base. Yes. So it would be very surprising to me if they made Protect 14k base, unless they made Excel and, well, I guess, or unless they give every clan a 9k vanilla. Because 
like grade one. Because that way the vanilla columns are now 19. Yeah. It would make vanilla columns a lot better against protect plans instead of them just being able to drop grade twos to guard your vanilla columns. Yeah, I mean, like, people think that there's going to be, like, a rock-paper-scissors-type dynamic going on where, uh, you know, Excel beat or sorry, Excel beats... Uh, Attack to protect. beat Force beats Excel. Yeah, but, like, Force doesn't really necessarily beat Excel by what we've seen so far, so it's, like, kind of an unfounded theory. I could see it happening. I think it's just because, like, humans want to look for patterns. I but, think... That's not the pattern we even want in an ideal world. Yeah. So you don't want that paper possible thing that could happen, of course, because you know there are these three factions of cards. Yeah. What we want, ideally, in a, so in an ideal world, the end result of this game would be that the mechanics of different clans, combined with their gifts, give them different matchups, like, like different, possibly better or worse matchups against clans with other different gifts and then mechanics. So, like, for OTT, their mechanic is big hand size and attacking with some kind of guard restrict and I, I, maybe large numbers or whatever, right? Also, yeah. drive track critical, so that is one of their gifts, I believe. <laughs> um, you know, maybe that would be a lot better against clans that have to commit a lot to the for- to the board, right? So, we'll, we'll see on that. But I think we want the mechanics to matter, but not be the only thing defining them. So, yeah. I don't know, we don't want it only to be a rock, paper, scissors between the three abilities. Like, we want kind of a bigger rock, paper, scissors game where maybe, you know, oh, Kagro is good against this, that, and this. But uh, the, the, this clan that loses to Kagro is really good against this other, but against the, you know, the other good deck, which is this. Yeah. I mean, so you, you, do, you don't want, uh, like, a, a, like an absolute, you know, 100-0 matchup. You want, like, a 60-40 or a 70-30, you know? Well... Vanguard's a game where you'll never have a 100-0 matchup, ever. That's true. Like, somebody can always get screwed. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, well, not 100-0. Okay, but I mean, just a thing that doesn't rely on the opponent getting a bad draw or you getting, you know, trader sacking. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, let's see. Last couple reveals that we were, like, hinting at was, yeah, OTT got their draw, draw trader PG. Cool. And then they gave... Nova Grappler, a 9k grade 1 that's vanilla with no shield value. Yep. So. This is sweet. This is interesting. First Uh, off, Death Army Something to keep in mind is that this is ripped from a commercial, so we don't know how accurate this is. I get the feeling it's going to be like, you know how like in the the show, like the Vanguard show when they show a close-up of a card, it's the power picture, no effect written on it, but they all kind of know what the effects are. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking See, I would maybe buy something that, like that if it didn't have the flavor text already. Oh, that's true. Normally, when they show samples of cards, it doesn't even have flavor text. So the flavor text being on the card says to me that this is the final card. Hmm. But why no shield? So the base power increase of a card is worth a lot. Yeah. So they're saying that be- for this extra one k base. With no restriction to be, you know, be anywhere, front row, back row, wherever, right? No cost, no effect needed, no, 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 no need for you to do anything is worth the 10k shield. What this also means is that there's no question for what you do with this card. You will always just call it. <laughs> I mean, like, like, and if writing it's like 
not bad. Right? It's good. <laughs> no, but just the, the thing where, like, you know, 8K Vanillas back in the day, they still had their 5K shield. Why doesn't this at least, like, if Grade 1s have 10K shield now as, you know, Sans PGs, why not just give them the 5K and be done with it? Yeah, I would I would have expect if somebody told me that the vanilla grade ones would be nine k, I would expect their shield to be five k. Yeah, but there's like no, this one k power is worth ten k shield, and that's gonna be it. But that's gotta mean something, I think. Like it's saying like now there's like a really big deck building cost because like if we look at back at old Vanguard, grade one vanillas were almost always included regardless. Yeah, because they're like they made really nice columns almost all the time. Because the, the the best example of this was uh, Swordman of Explosive Flames Palamedes, which I hope to God they rep- like they make a new oh iteration of him for this because I loved his art. But he was if you had two grade threes on Van, or, uh, you know Van and Rearguard Circle. So he, he, got, also, he, he was and he was all the time thirteen k. Yeah. Um, well, just, on attack, like it, he had no he had no condition. Yeah, it was just because like on a rearguard circle, your vanguard is automatically grade three because he's grade three, and there's your condition. <laughs> That's it. You know, it was so stupid. So that combined with uh, you know, little sage Marin was a twenty one k column all the time for free, no effort, nothing. Yep. So, yeah, I I really hope they like make a new one just because the fuck looks awesome. No, I hope- Let's never see it again. <laughs> what if he's terrible? Like they they make like the... oh that would be justice. That'd be sweet, sweet justice. <laughs> <laughs> or he's like a great. Or he's like a trigger. <laughs> I mean, they, I remember they had like a grade two version of him where it was the same effect, but he was an eight K grade two and he was terrible because he himself didn't count for it, so no one played him. But oh, pretty good. Yeah, Palamides was busted. I think that was the reason that like Royal Paladin was carried so hard. Yeah, because Palamides was nuts. You were talking about you were talking about this on Living Proof's Discord last night. You were like, uh, Palamides because he had to force was at least two cards every turn from guarding. You just gained advantage from playing the game. Yeah, the like you already gained a lot of advantage from your opponent needing to like drop probably a PG or but like probably a PG's worth of cards for your Vanguard every turn because you had two crit, and then you just also had Palamides. It was like okay. Yeah, like, it was just a lot of advantage. And if you didn't have a way to kill Palamedes, you were just like in really bad shape. Yeah, because this this is back in the in the days of Vanguard taking like several turns for it to be decided, but it could have been decided, you know, three turns before. Yeah, almost. Like, games took a while. Games for sure took a while. Yeah, numbers weren't very big. Guards were big, kind of respective to their numbers, which I think the, how is how like the first run through of V is going to be like. Yeah. I well, I still think like it's the the beginning of the games are going to be slow. Like when everyone rides the grade three in the first turn, like the games, their turns aren't going to be like really insane. Mm-hmm. But by like the third turn on grade three, when maybe somebody's rewritten, you have know, a bunch of force markers thrown around, you have a bunch of excel mm-hmm. markers thrown around. Like it's probably going to be get a little crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. It, it it'll be like uh, in in Magic when like the, what the first five turns or so are just I put down a mana, go ahead, like that kind of thing, where it's just all right, attack. That's go sometimes ahead. true. Yeah. Actually, uh, in re- most recent Magic, it's been like one like the typical kind of Magic game is one player is playing an aggressive deck and one's playing control deck, right? Yeah. So the aggressive, it's up to the aggressive player to put down a. Uh, but to to make the control player react, if the co- co- aggressive player doesn't do anything, the control player wins. Because you get to the point where the control player's cards, pound for pound, is better. 
Like, in every... They just cost more mana. So the aggressive player can go, like, okay, turn one this guy, turn two this guy, turn three this guy, attack you for five or whatever, right? Like, yeah. the game's in, like, four turns, of them, or, like, three turns, they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And so they, the control player has to, like, use the resources whilst and not miss land drops and, like, you know, use, the, like, put the right tool in the right place. Like, get the right tool for the right job, right? Yeah. And if you just use a tool, sometimes that can, like, end the game for you. So, like, it's not quite that simple where people are just playing Landslitter for five turns first five turns it's just if you get a control mirror yes the first six or so turns will be exactly that but there's a lot more things going on because you need to figure out when you can resolve threats mm-hmm. what point it can respond to getting in like card advantage to help fight later in the game worrying about how many cards you've left in deck maybe <laughs> so like i think that's an oversimplification of the early stage um Okay, so <laughs> I totally forgot how that connect. What were we talking about again? Uh, talking about <laughs> the, the, like the first like two or three turns of the game being fairly slow in Vanguard. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, so here, here's the point I want to make. I right? was so mesmerized <laughs> in G in G era. Five K and ten K shields were basically worthless. Like they meant nothing. Like if the game got to stride, five K and ten K shields didn't weren't worth shit. By themselves. Your opponent was like, oh, I'm going to tag for 60k. And you're like, hmm, cool. I can drop seven of these. <laughs> seven yeah. of these for ass. All right. It, it, but, it, it is astounding how fast a hand could deplete. Like, you, you could. I have 13 cards in my hand, and then at the end of the turn, I have uh, two. It's <laughs> like two Vanguard attacks, 13 cards. Yeah. So PGs and G guards were, like, incredibly massive, right? Because they basically were the only things that mattered to guard with. Yeah. Even rear guards are getting really out of hand for clans that usually didn't matter. So, pe- and people would still not call triggers to attack, like, early in the game. The only exception was heart them clones because you recouped themselves. That was it. No, if you have, like, a 4K, or, like, you know, like a vanilla draw trigger, right? Yeah. It can attack. You don't care if it dies. Yeah. Call it and attack with it. Don't sit at grade one. Don't let your don't let your opponent just ride up to three with no with no like a- extra attacks. That's dumb. And I assume the same thing will be true in V. Call some shit. Attack your opponent. Get some damage. <laughs> now, now, obviously, worry about what your opponent's card. Right? Like if your opponent has like crazy shit to do, like on their grade three riding with counterblast. Maybe you don't want to do that. That's fine. But if they call shit to attack you, you should attack their shit. <laughs> yeah, and also remember, Blaster Blade gains a crit if you have four or more rear guards. So mm-hmm. seems like a good reason to call shit to me. Yeah. Also, like, Royal that. Paladins could very well just dump their hand grade two and start going at you. Or grade one. Yeah. And then what's your opponent gonna do? Kill your front row, and then you're like, okay, call something, get a crit on my van. Well, especially especially because all of these cards recoup themselves when called. Like Marin, yeah. like call in front of Marin, draw a card. All right, I just replaced the card in my hand. There we go. Yeah, I think like the Great Two Blaster Blade is like, or the new Blaster Blade is like really good. Yep, uh, yeah. I, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. It's also, going to make uh, some premium decks even more annoying. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm probably just going to stay away from premium for a while and just lean into standard. Yeah, so that's how it's going to be. But um, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to like wait and see what Great Nature's up to. Otherwise, I'll just kind of sit on Royals for a bit. Anyway, uh, so 
we had like a like a full episode topic which Rootbeer told me before we started recording and I'll be honest I just completely forgot what it was. <laughs> well, I was thinking we could talk through our thought processes whenever we start analyzing skills because we just kind of go into it a lot but since we're in the midst of a reboot there might be like new players or returning players who haven't thought about this game in a while who what? might find it helpful to f- hear other people's thought processes. So we have a great example for this kind of discussion in Ashura Kaiser. So, again, his skill was an auto on Vanguard Circle. When you drive check reveals a grade 2 or greater card, choose a rearguard, stand it. If the, grade truck, if the check card is grade 3, CB1, you may CB1, and then the rearguard plus 10k, right? So a couple things. So when you're analyzing a skill on a card, there's a few things you want to worry about. The second is how much, how often does this matter? Or like, how, like how, how often will this happen, right? And so you think about how many grade two or higher cards you have in your deck, right? You get two drive checks a turn. That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. In a 49-card deck, you have 20 or like, like, you know, 11 grade twos, eight grade threes. And that's in a normal deck. In a deck with Azure Kaiser, maybe you even want to build it so that it's slightly higher. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, that's how the old, that's how the ratio used to be. It was, in general, you know, aside from your triggers, it was 14 grade 1s, 11 grade 2s, 8 grade 3s. But, like, you know, that shifts based on the meta or how the deck runs. Um, it might even change in standard based on, like, what these effects are looking like, where you're like, do I really want to run that many grade 1s? Maybe you do. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But just so, for now. In every turn, we're looking at even uh, oh sorry I had the wrong number here. In every turn we're looking at about a sixty three percent chance to get a stand with an eleven eleven grade two eight grade three ratio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you forced your deck to have even up to maybe ten grade threes, then now you're looking at a, a about almost a sixty eight percent chance to to get a stand. So a little more than every other turn you're going to get standard regard. And sometimes you'll be able to stand two, which is pretty rare. I mean, that's looking at a, what, uh, 18% chance? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, um, you know, not bad. So every, you know, but every other turn, so maybe the first time it doesn't happen, right? That's fine. But even if it doesn't happen, like, you're still likely to get a trigger because your only other miss is a grade one, which you're lowering, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So... If you have 37 relevant hits in a 49-card deck, you're looking at a uh, oh, wrong number here, uh, like a 94% chance to hit either a grade 2 or higher or trigger every turn. That's really good. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, so now, now this begs the question. Do you attack with your Excel circle first and hope for the stand or kind of leave that till the end and just kind of put all your, you know, if you, assuming you get triggers, crits, straws, whatever? This is a good question. That. And we should really think about now how triggers are 10k. Yes. So don't forget that triggers are 10k. If you attack with your Excel circle first, and they take it, and they get a trigger on damage, how are your other columns affected? True. I mean, like, because the general rule of thumb in Vanguard is go lowest to highest because triggers are a thing. Um, but... But when triggers were 5k, that was much easier to discern. Yeah. Now, while the 5K stages affect guarding, they don't affect triggers. Yes. So, in essence, attacking with a 17K K, or an 18K column versus a 13K is not that different. Then, because mm-hmm. 
accepting yeah. how much your opponent has to guard. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. It's just like my my brain is kind of like I have a little rainbow ball going on in my brain right now. Because so, <laughs> because of how dynamic guarding is becoming, what with all of the shield values differing based on what grade you have in your hand, versus mm-hmm. how much triggers are worth now, when the conventional wisdom for six years, seven years, was that triggers give 5k when you damage or drive check them all the time. So I am having to undo, like, you know, a good chunk of someone's childhood worth of conventional wisdom. With I get this. it. And you, know, you just have to kind of, like, constantly remind yourself, like, triggers are 10k, triggers are 10k, triggers are 10k. How does this affect my rear guards? Yeah. So the reason I bring that up is because if you have a Excel circle that's hitting for 23, this now hits after a trigger. Yes. Where your other columns may not. Where your other columns what? Don't. Where your other columns may not. May not. May okay. not. So if you had a thir- even if you had a thir- another 13k Peter and a 9k vanilla bind, that's only 22. That's not hitting a fourth grade three after a trigger, or from what we know. Yeah. So, but it does hit. It, it, but it does hit this Excel grade three. So attack orders are going to be much more difficult to discern in V. I get because of the large trigger, the, like how big triggers are. I get the feeling that for the first couple months or so of Vanguard, people are going to be dumber than usual. I mean, they're just going to like be. They're going to like. They're going to be readjusting. I mean, people are dumb now, but like, we're, like I'm gonna I'm gonna be a simpleton for like at least two months of just kind of. It like... might help people if they treat this as a new game and try not and like. You can take, like, some basic stuff with you, mm-hmm. but when you're thinking about how attack orders and stuff, think of it as a new game here. Because this is no longer old Vanguard. You're going to have to, like, you're gonna, like the possibility of a trigger is now much more disastrous than it was before. You're not on Cray anymore. <laughs> Argue. Dorothy. <laughs> um. But, uh, so that's always the first thing you want to think about as skill, is how often will this skill happen? Yeah. And what is my what is the fallback if it doesn't? And Azura Kaiser has a pretty good effect if it does happen, and a pretty good fallback. As in, if you're not a great, if you don't get any grade twos or grade threes, you're very likely to get a trigger. So we're looking at a ninety, a little higher than ninety four percent chance it's either a grade two or higher or a trigger in two checks. Mm-hmm. And some percentage of the time, you're going to get more than that. So that's pretty good. So we're looking at a almost fifty seven percent chance that you get two of grade two higher trigger. Are are any of you guys gonna be doing Nova Grappler to begin with? No idea. Probably not, because I'm already investing in Aqua Force as my Excel clan and then OTT. Gotcha. Uh, oh you're doing but, OTT to begin with. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm but they're not a real clan, so what'd you say? I'm gonna play so I'm yeah. not sure. I mean, as of right now, they're not a real plan. Watch, watch them be like the new powerhouse of people. Like it, it, it it's going to be like. Um, Alice, you're speaking nonsense right now. Yeah, no, no, it, it's going to be the ugly He's girl when she takes. Mind. When so she anyway, takes her that's on top. So, the, so anytime you approach a skill, think about uh, what is the like. How often is the skill going to happen? There's a lot of times when people talk about how good skills are, but the skills are very narrow. Yeah. And, like, if this happens in one in ten games, it's not that good. The best example of that is Poker, right? People are like, oh, Poker is so good, it speeds up this one other deck. And you're like, well, how often do I play against this one other deck? And, like, not that often. 
And you're like, okay, so why would I play this card? Because yep. its effect is really good. I'm but, like, against this one deck. I mean, it, like, in the times where, you know, like, you, you know, maybe just a few months ago where Chaos was running, you know, full throttle all over the meta, Poker would make more sense. In, 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 the, in the way that, like, I don't know if you guys ever played competitive Pokemon, but uh, Skarmory, the Steel type, was very important on a lot of teams. So a common method to counter it was that a lot of people would run Magnezone with the ability Magnet Pull, which is that Steel types couldn't switch out. So you did it specifically to fuck over Skarmory. Mm-hmm. Because it was so common, that would, like Magnezone was enough of a decent pick for that. So Procur was probably the same way. At least for well, Chaos Meta. Except that you can't choose when to bring it in. Oh, like, most don't... decks don't have the ability to pick when Poker is going to enter the play. Enter play. Spike like, Brothers and, like, Spike Brothers and, like, some Royal stuff. Yeah. And Royals doesn't really have space for that, but that's a separate argument, right? Yeah. And, but I'll get to why that is in a second. But, like, really just Spike Brothers and maybe, like, Grand Blue? Yeah. Because um... Grand Blue... Dump it and like not worry about it. I mean, it used to. It, you could also make the argument for Gold Paladin, but Gold Paladin has Militant Act Dragon, which just completely invalidates Poker. So who cares? Well, another thing about Poker is you need to face a Kralamuntle. Also true. So you have to get to the point where you can't stride as well. So it's not a card that's good early, and it's, and it's not a card that comes up terribly often. Yeah, which is why this card is extremely narrow. And that's not to say the card is bad. I mean, it's bad in, like, relative, right? Its effect is just very niche. Yeah. Now, the second question you want to ask... So that that's kind of the idea of how often do the card's abilities come up. And Azra Kaiser is probably going to be your main ride. You're going to ride it, hopefully, almost as many games as possible. And we haven't seen any backup grade 3s yet, so we don't know kind of the down case on that, right? But if your main grade 3 ride, you know, you'll hopefully find it. And when you do, it's going to be very good, probably. And mm-hmm. this is not even counting Excel Circle. That's a great. That's a great bonus too, right? Because now that's kind of a vanguard, an extra vanguard ability is like the gift. Because some yeah. great three have that. Man, like it, even if he didn't have the Excel gift, you would still maybe want to use him. I think, but I don't think you would, because you you would have to write him second in order to like because you because you want more circles in order to make use of his ability. Yeah. Because you want to have more attacks post drive checks, because that's going to make the best use of front triggers yeah. if you play. So, I think the second Azure Kaiser ride is going to be very obnoxious. Oh God, <laughs> no! Fuck. <laughs> and we haven't even seen rearguards that sand themselves yet, right? So yeah. Like, yeah. This this isn't even counting the other BS. And who knows what Perfect Riser is going to do when that gets revealed? Oh, God. oh hell yeah! So Perfect Riser might 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 make me want to play Nova Grapplers. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm just sitting back waiting, looking at him. But uh, all right. So whenever you're evaluating skills, always look for how often the ability comes up. The second thing you need to do is is like opportunity cost. I.e., what am I giving up to play this card? Yeah. Which what are you giving up to play this card? So I mentioned that Poker didn't really have space and like. Brave, for example. Yeah. Because every single... You needed L, the grade 2s that called shit, in order to do the Brave show, brave stuff. And if you ever called Poker during that turn, your turn was over. Pretty much. At I least, mean, granted, if, 
at least in the early Brave iteration. If you were playing against um, Link Joker, though, it's not like you had much of a turn to begin with. Right. Which would be the reason then, for calling Poker. But then where are you calling Poker, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, it's just uh, not a whole lot you can do. And you would have to flip up a face-up Cray Elemental, so you would have to G-Guard a Cray Elemental, which means you have to find a heal first. Or you would have to stride a Cray Elemental. Or, or do a stride that has a generic flip and flip but, over yeah. a Cray Elemental. It exists at the time, or at least for a long time. Yeah. So it was all kinds of bad. Like, so there's like all kinds of reasons why this card was kind of obnoxious to run. Yeah. So, so, so you always want to think about what cards you're giving up for this space. And even if, even if you say, well, it's just one slot, right? That one slot matters. Yeah. And, you know, you're giving up probably, you know, some small percentage of games, but that's still a percentage of games that you're giving up. And part of building the best deck is worrying about these small percentages. That's true. Ooh. Why, why is it that, like, okay, so I'm part of a show that talks about Vanguard and we're trying to make people think, and then Matt just, be, like, does it so <laughs> well that I'm sitting here going, like... Oh, how about that? <laughs> like, I basically become part of my own listener base while on the show, somehow. That seems, that seems problematic. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I mean, there's a lot that goes into uh, looking at skills and, like, just beyond the, oh, this skill is cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. when you start thinking about how good the skill is or, you know, like is this skill feasible for me to play? And feasible for me to play is really, you know, d- directed toward, is this, a, is this like, competitive worthy? Uh, you know, you, you obviously want to think about, like, how often is this going to come up? Yeah. And I think the problem with the old Ashura Kaiser-style cards, like, so I'm including Ashura Kaiser, I'm including Reindeer, I'm including whatever else. To, there's a bunch of cards like it. Right? Uh, uh, Crimson Butterfly Bridget. Yeah, like, yeah. all these random-ass cards, right? Mm-hmm. Was that your deck didn't play a lot of grade threes and a lot of them minus Ashura Kaiser really didn't give good enough benefits when you did check a grade three. Yeah. And the the fail case was you either had a bunch of grade threes in your deck, which you couldn't guard with. And remember guard was very important back then or like even maybe standing the unit wasn't even that good or the effect wasn't even that good when you did do it, which is the case for things like, uh, uh, well, I mean, I guess, like, like Reindeer was, like, you didn't get to keep triggers or anything. But even if you hit trigger grade three, you're like, okay. Or, you know, or if you kept any power gain that they would have gotten, you wouldn't be able to keep. Because you have to bounce it and recall. Yeah. The, um... So. God, what, what was the... Okay, so... Could Reindeer call the grade three you check, or is it still in trigger zone when it happened? Um, I believe it's still in trigger zone, because it's when it hits it, then you do the bounce and recall, and then continue your drive checks. Gross. Yeah. Um, let's see. God, what was... The, was it Holy Disaster Drive? Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, so uh, way back in the day at my locals, when I still had a locals that was close to me in here in L.A., um, so there was this guy who ran a deck of... Uh, four Crimson Butterfly Bridget, three Palamedes, and three Holy Disaster Dragon. So that was ten grade threes, and Holy Disaster Dragon 
was a grade three for Royal Paladin that you can discard a you know another Royal Paladin when he attacks and he gets plus five k until the end of the battle. So basically, the the plan was do your Palamedes and Bridget things, but you had enough grade threes to where it was kind of worth it, and then you can ditch your excess grade threes with Holy Disaster to get more power, which it kind of worked for him. It was pretty neat, and you know he did okay, but. It, it's, you know, kind of take it or leave it on, like, what you do with your grade threes. At least in the case of the V-series now, like, if you run a lot of grade threes with the Excel gift, you can just keep rewriting them and getting some kind of bonus off of it. So what do you guys do when you look at skills? What do I do when I look at skills? Uh, most of the time, I come talk to you, because you're, you're smarter mm-hmm. than I am. Well, that's good. <laughs> um, yeah. It's either that, or I go into Living Proof's Discord and ask people. I'm not a I'm not a person who really immediately forms an opinion. It's usually I'll talk to like a bunch of people and then form an opinion based off that. Now that's that can be both a both a good and a bad thing based on the people you're talking to. But it's mostly just because I like I I grew up in a family where I was wrong all the time, so. It, it was going to ask your family members, what do you think of this? And then the three of them go, this is dumb, this is good, this is bad, whatever. And then I go, okay, you know. It, it's a very stupid way to look at stuff, but that's just how I form opinions on, on skills. <laughs> um, although, I, I actually wanted to kind of, like, uh, bring something up here. So, I've been screwing around with Tachikaze lately, and I might get crucified for this. I think I like Cole Magnum. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've been... You're putting str- bad cards in an already bad deck, so I guess it doesn't matter. Exactly. No, the, what, the reason that, like, my opinion may have changed, I, I haven't really tried the uh, thing it hinges on with the other, my old build, but I was running more of the, like, the grade three and the grade zero that when they die, you can counterblast and check top four and call two things. So calling Cole Magnum off of that isn't a bad thing, because then you can immediately recoup it, get your draw, and, you know, give 5k somewhere. So that at least makes it less sucky. Mm-hmm. Now, the conventional wisdom for, you know, between us and a lot of people for a long time was that Cole Magnum sucks dick. Uh, well, it does. But I keep seeing it on Tachikaze lists the top. When do they top? Mostly in Europe, like France and the UK, for some reason, have them top. I, I don't know what it is about like Western Europe and paleontology, but just mm, they go in on it, man. But it, it, it was just something where I kept seeing it on topping lists. I'm like, you know, maybe I should just like try it. And I'm still in the process of trying it, but it seems like the it be it being a stand trigger isn't the reason you're running it. You're running it because it recoups itself when it's killed, and you know goes back in the deck. I mean, I get it, but it going back in the deck doesn't mean anything. I mean, well, because, like, I was looking at it also in in the context of Pale Moon. Like, the stand triggers you run in Pale Moon suck dick as stand triggers, but you use them because of their effects, not because they're stand triggers. I've heard the argument, but you're you're playing a deck of full triggers on it now. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But just the... It, it was something that, like, you know, if that's the way I form opinions, I should probably, like, stop doing that. Rootbeer, how do you form opinions on cards? Usually I try to take a look at, like, what Matt said, how often would the skill come up, and then how cost-effective it is, and then also how it functions in the context of the rest of your deck. For Asher Kaiser, we can't do the last part because we don't know what the rest of the deck will look like yet, but 
in terms of cost effectiveness, it's free. And then originally, I actually thought that the skill was kind of mediocre. But then when Matt puts in the context of like three fourths of your deck are a hit, then like Ashura Kaiser looks a lot better to me now. Side note: Do you how often do you think you're going to do the plus ten k? Still, like, it, it, is it worth it with Counterblast, or is it just we don't have enough cards yet to really make that decision? So, so we don't know if it's worth it in Counterblast, because, again, we don't we don't have enough cards to... Like, we don't know what uh, like what other things the Counterblast can be spent on. Yeah. You know, because, you know, you're, like, trying to kill your opponent, you know, you're not using Counterblast for anything else. Get in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, I, I wonder if they're going to do, like, another Clay Doll mechanic, just, like, another on-call, unflip a damage. I guarantee you, though... The counterblast one plus ten k to have stood rear guard is going to win a game in the in the anime. Oh, of course. it is! I would slam my money down right here. It absolutely, this is probably how Aichi is going to lose to Kamui <laughs> the first time they fight. Just, just keep Great a. Uh, is it keep an eye on our Twitter because like all three of us have the password to it, so that's what that's why usually we we speak in like uh, uh, first person plural, like we instead of I. But yeah, sure. so so one of us will be like fucking called it. <laughs> so. Happens. Happens mm-hmm. indeed. Anyway, I interrupted you. Sorry. So yeah, like, how often will a skill come up? Like the actual cost of the skill, so like the counter blast costs, and then like context of the rest of the deck, and also like. Once we have more decks revealed, context of what's currently good and how does it interact with those good decks, because that'll probably be a matchup you have to consider. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's sometimes where you want to think about kind of the after effects of the <laughs> skill. Like, what other mechanics or gameplay interactions does a skill have that's not explicitly written on the card? So, a good example of that is Heritage or Carnivores or Heritage. From GBT fourteen, fuck that thing so hard. Yeah, that thing is pretty pretty nuts though. So its abilities, you know, uh, and it, when it goes back to G zone, you flip four DP face down and take an extra turn and restart it, right? But what this really does is, if your opponent has anything locked, it just unlocks your board, and yeah. you still have a max attack. So like, this is interacting with game mechanics outside of its skill just because of how those mechanics are worded. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't come up very often, but it is important to keep kind of those aspects in mind of how certain cards can get around or open up other possibilities. Like, for a poker, it is explicitly written what the card is supposed to do, right? Unlocking mm-hmm. it. But that's not written on Heritage. That is something that you have to, you know, that's beyond what the card text. I feel like the middle ground for that is anything that, uh, you know, deals with cards as opposed to units. Right. Or Ange or the Harry Stride or, you know, Gaia Devastate, whatever. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Those are, those also, those are, those are a big deal too. Yeah. But it's, it's like a one word change and yet it affects everything so profoundly where you go, like, I have an out to something now. Or I didn't before. Skill obviously goes much deeper than that, just because it's not like really when they say circles with a card, it's really just affecting, uh, I guess, the stupid mega colony stride that said that they can't be chosen artifacts, right? Of uh, dark face, yeah, <laughs> and of course lock, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not affecting that much more. 
but heritage just kind of incidentally affects it while doing something you want to do anyway. I mean, considering this was, you know, on the heels of the Link Joker meta, I don't think it was necessarily incidental. Maybe. I mean, it was, you're right, you're right. It was but, something that, like, they definitely thought about, but it was just, it's kind of like... An, like an, an unintended, con- uh, unintended happy coincidence, kind right. of. Oh, boy. So... Oh. And that's, I think that's often the hardest thing to tell, or or, like, it's between that and, like, how better are your resources spent? Mm-hmm. And, of course, like... Uh, Root Beer set mentioned, we don't have enough information for a lot of the new cards to determine like if this is really, really where our resources want to go. Yeah. But in the case of like the new Blaster Blade, it's Counter Blast 1, Soul Blast 1 ability you just don't really care about. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to care about it. it. It'll come up when it needs to, right? Yeah. But yeah. four more regards get a crit, you're like, well, you can basically say, when is it worth committing four regards? Should I commit regard, even more regards early to make his crit more, more threatening? And then, and you, can, and then and you can kind of push that. To opponents, that also begs the question of how aggressive do I want to be because uh, if a lot of these Royal Paladin skills, you know, recoup themselves on call, then maybe I don't want to be too aggressive early until he's past the Blaster Blade because then that will discourage him from committing if he can't recoup himself. So normally the standard response to your opponent committing a bunch of stuff in Vanguard was also committed a bunch of stuff? Yes. That seems really awkward when your opponent has a grade 2 plus 1 crit Vanguard. Yep. Yeah. Although, if you, <laughs> although if you're Kagura, you can commit less because when you you know commit something, it kills something with it. So you're like, but okay. it also, yeah, and but you're also spending resources to do this. That's true. So, I think. Oh. Uh, go on. Uh, no, I'll wait for you to finish because mine is a bit of a change of topic. <laughs> okay, so I guess this is like uh, this is like I think the cards do seem boring, maybe for V for a lot of people. But I don't think the games will necessarily play out that way. I don't think so either. This looks cool. So, what I was going to add on is going back to the thing about how often the skill comes up is if you're also thinking about how your cards will interact with other cards, you should think about how cumbersome a particular combo will be. (laughs) Because we always like to make fun of the the 10 attack Pale Moon guy, but whenever we... try to theorize how a deck like that would look, we always end up thinking, like, all right, this is going to involve, like, on hits, and then you have to have, like, these other specific cards in your soul, and then it'll cost a million and a half resources. And it's like, this is never going to happen, right? So if you're thinking, like, oh, this card is really good because I can combo it with this other card, and then if I get this on hit skill off, it's like, okay, your combo chain involves you drawing into, like, three other cards and your opponent letting you this one specific card hits. When is this ever going to happen? I mean, th- that was that was a big kind of rule of thumb in Yu-Gi-Oh, which is three-card combos are not consistent mm-hmm. unless they are searchable. It is always right. two-card combos or bust. Let me, let, me, let me say the golden rule of combos. The number of resources needed should be, purport- should be proportional to how dead your opponent is. <laughs> so a two-card combo can just be like so a two-card combo that kills your opponent is obviously insane right but most two-card quote combos end quote don't kill your opponent and are really just favorable really good interaction mm-hmm. right they're like oh these these cards work well together and you're like cool that's great but it's not really a true combo 
if your combo requires a bunch of cards or like you know getting GB eight really quickly or whatever, right? Yeah. It better damn well near kill your opponent, or I'm sorry, not damn near, but actually kill them. A good example is like Hellheart eight. Like that, if you're gonna do all the work to get there, you better kill them. And you and you will ninety nine point nine percent of the time with the point one percent being any time I try to play Hellheart eight. Every <laughs> every fucking time I play it, it's like oh I had all four PGs and three heals in my hand. Sorry, like, right. <laughs> thanks. I guess sucks to suck. Sucks to suck indeed. But <laughs> um, so my point is like you need it needs to be mostly worth. And, like, for Dust is kind of similar in Spike Brothers, right? Like, it requires a lot of resources, but the pieces are kind of interchangeable and also searchable. Mm-hmm. But it it's, like, fairly decent at killing the opponent. I mean, if your two-card combo searches out the four-card combo that kills them, the, you know, it's still a two-card combo. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the more pieces you need, the less useful your combo is. Mm-hmm. And... Like, how many pieces do you need? How specific are those pieces? How early do you need them? Yeah, like, how quickly do you need them? Like, do you need to set up, because there's that stupid gun salute combo where you could get infinite restands if you set off this very specific 13-card combo that required you to set up almost immediately. Yep. <laughs> and it's just like... It's like never going to happen. Yeah. Alright, so the one game in a thousand games you play, you get it off. You're going to be really satisfied, but, like, one in a thousand is terrible, and, like, it makes a very good highlight if you're going to make, like, a YouTube video where you pull it off. Great, good for you, but, like, I wouldn't take that to mean that it's a strong combo. Yeah, man, we gotta get the sizzle reel out there. Hook the people in. There's also another factor of combos is how easily does it fizzle. Mm -hmm. Like, some combos aren't deterministic. I.e., they don't just like always kill. They always yeah. require amount of variance. Like after that, and Vanguard combos will always require variance. The reason yeah, they like, always require variance is because triggers exist. There was that. There was also that infinite attack Tachikaze combo that would completely fail if your opponent uh, yeah. got a trigger. Map whatever that mammoth is with Rusher Erasmo, right? That yeah. mammoth and Rusher Erasmo. You could even do infinite attacks with a seven with a nine, with a bunch of seven K rearguards, but you needed to go first. Ride the mammoth and have two rusher Erasmos, and then your opponent needed to never get a trigger on damage. Yep. Which is like this is never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why bother? And people tried to make a big deal about it. I'm like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. I mean, this is just how our community reacts to shit. Like immediately after someone figures out something or something gets revealed, uh. People are like, oh shit, you can do this, or oh shit, this supports this, and then a day later, people are like, wait, either this combo is dumb, inconsistent, can be killed by this, or in the case of, like, a card reveal, it's like, this has nothing to do with it, it just looks like something else. It loses to a trigger? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, it, it's whatever. It, it Like, that's just, I, I've accepted the fact that this is how the Vanguard community works. It's a lot of hype immediately that immediately dies off. It's Twitter. <laughs> the Vanguard community is Twitter. <sighs> Sounds right. Yeah. But um, you know, this seemed like a lot to think about, right? But yeah. it's all like it basically comes down to is this useful? <laughs> yeah. It's like 
is this a one in a hundred kind of thing, or is it like one in, I don't know, three, where yeah. it'll come up like a fairly often? Personally, I think the best combos are one card combos. Yeah, or is this like, so, all right, like, I plop down my card, it does its thing. Yeah, let's go. My favorite, like Berserk Dragon. Like you plop it down, it kills a thing, and it, then if it's, it's on if it's, it's on Vanguard, job. you draw. You draw a card, and then if it's on rear guard, it's a 13k beater. So it's done its job. You just plop it down; it exists, and it's good. Yeah, this is a very popular combo in, in Magic that was is now banned in the, in Modern, but uh, it's called Splinter Twin. Splinter and you basically Twin? play some dork that when it enters play untaps a thing, right? Yeah. You put this enchantment on it that tap. We can tap the creature and make a copy of it. So the copy comes in, untaps the original creature, and you tap the original creature to make another copy, and then the, that copy comes in, untaps the original creature, and you do this forever. And all the tokens have haste. So you just attack your opponent. <laughs> and people were like, oh my god, it's just instant inf- turn four kills all the time. And it asks of your... And basically, what it comes down to is... So it's a two-card combo that kills your opponent. The turn the turn you do it, right? Yeah. You can do it turn four. Because both the creatures that untap themselves have, like, you can cast your opponent's turn. So turn three, cast the guy, turn four, attach the thing. But if your opponent has any, any pointed removal spell, it fails. Because you just kill one, then they just kill either one, and it stops. And they, and they lose both cards. Yeah, makes sense. But, uh, you know, this was apparently too good. And it was mm-hmm. really good, mostly because the deck around it was really good. Like, it was like a blue-red control deck. With, could like, could you search it? Or... No. Okay. No, you had to draw both pieces. Is Magic like Yu-Gi-Oh! where you can run three copies of a card, or is it like Vanguard? Oh, Four. Okay, so it's a standard. But decks are 68. Right. And a lot of your deck is going to be lands. Yeah, makes sense. Usually usually around 23, 24 cards. Gotcha. Okay, Sometimes so, your format has less searching or draw. I see. I know, I, I was uh, thinking of like how often you would draw into that on your, you know, second, third, fourth turn. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is. But, so... You know, if you're, like, and this was really important to G-Era, too. Like, how often could your combos be broken up? And I know Proof did a lot of thinking about this, too. Yeah. Uh, Go watch Living really Proof. Like, yeah, Liv- Living Proof released a bunch of videos about how, like, the Hellheart 8 loses to certain G-Guards, or, like, mm-hmm. when, how you get around them, like, how to think about them. And that's, like, really important when you're coming up with combos is to think about how they can fail, or how, like, what decisions your opponent can make to have them fail. So that's like also something that people should really think about when they're coming up with wacky combos. Is like, what can my like? Assuming my opponent knows what's going on, what can they do to stop it? Don't just assume your opponent won't know what your deck is. Okay, so what were, you, you said about like living proof, and then oh, did it cut? what did it cut out? Yeah, it did. Oh, okay, my apologies. So, Living Proof released a series of videos uh, saying how when the Hellheart 8 combo can fail, like when the opponent's playing certain clans like Narukami, etc. And so, it's really important to understand when... If you're making some kind of wacky combo deck, that's fine. You can make wacky combo decks all day. You should think about what your opponent can do to make it fail, even in the instance where they know what your deck does. If your combo fails when your opponent knows what it does, this deck does not have a very long lifespan. Because now you're assuming your opponent will just let it happen. Ne- never, never assume your opponent is dumb. Always assume they've like done their research somehow. Yeah, 
Yeah, this isn't Yu-Gi-Oh, where you can assume all your opponents are dumb. Wait. <laughs> but yeah, you definitely want to. You definitely want to assume your opponent knows what's going on, because that's going to give you better. Uh, that's going to let you think things better when your opponent does figure it out soon. And sometimes your opponent has tried the combo, and once they see some cards, they're like, "Oh, okay, I know what this person's doing." And then you're like, "What? Oh shit!" That seems like a bad reaction. See, th- that, that's why I always recommend playing playing with everything you can, just so it makes it easier to play against it in the future. Yep. And then that, that also uh, listen to our clan loyalty episode for more um, details on that because I, I I railed into people who are like, you know, I played this one clan and that's it. It's my baby, you know. You um, definitely lose a lot of uh, percentage points by just not knowing what other clans like not getting a feel for how other clans operate. And if not like, that, at least read the fucking cards. Proof, proof, proof responded to us uh, for that podcast saying like, he's like, are you saying that I, I like, I like, like I'm like losing some like equity for like not playing other clans. I'm like, yes, like there are some nuances that you like never see because you know, you're just never on that side. I mean, like, he, he does do his new- research for the, for the specific matchup of what he's playing against, but there, yeah, like you, you lose some uh, nuance. Yeah, like, there's, because sometimes the lines that you don't see are the ones that, like, you just, the game state maybe just never appeared. Like, you can play against a deck a bunch of times, right? And your opponent's, like, waiting for a specific situation. Mm-hmm. And then, like, that situation could never pop up until you're on the other side where you see the hidden information that, you know, that would have been relevant before. Did you really just do the, it's the cards we're not playing, man? Well, <laughs> in some sense, yes, because... If you look at a situation, like, your opponent only plays what they think, like, hopefully what they think is the best play. Mm-hmm. And there are a bunch of their lines are not taking. And sometimes the situation can be such that the lines that they didn't take could be really devastating. Like, if you ch- move a couple cards around, right? Yeah. And so, and you don't, and that's those kind of small nuances that you don't see when you're only playing one deck. So, like, a good example is, like, uh, and I'm filled with all these magic examples. They're probably not helpful to anyone. But, like, if you're playing, like, a strategy game like chess or something, right, and you read all these lines, right, and you pick, you play what you think is, like, you, you play a move which you think leads down, like, the best line for you, regardless of, like, even if your opponent responds, like, well, right? And all the other lines that you didn't play are still in the game. Like, they're still, like, they, they, they matter to the game in the sense that, like, if your opponent had played differently, this is what would have happened. And, like, so all the lines that don't end up happening when you read a move. So you read a move, and it has, like, it doesn't have just a linear path, right? Because your opponent's making decisions, too. There's So every decision your opponent can make leads to a different move from you. And all of those are part of the game. And the same is true. The same is true in card games. All the lines that you didn't take because the game didn't play out that way are still part of the game. And that's what makes card games fun, is that there's all these different lines, and all these different possible games that could have been played that that haven't that haven't been. Okay, it's official. We we have officially become the Grateful Dead of podcasts. <laughs> it's the cards we're not playing. <laughs> I feel I, like everything I said was like minimized. I don't, I don't I don't mean to di- to diminish that you're completely right it's just like the it, if taken at face value we sound completely out of our minds 
I've never, I never claimed that I was not. To be fair. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Okay. I, I, I have nothing else uh, good to add to this because I realize I've just re- been repeating the same thing over and over for the past twenty minutes. Pretty much. Thanks. Um, anything else? Uh, I don't really have anything off the top of my head. V still looks cool. I've stayed yep. off. I've stayed off a lot of uh, like Reddit and stuff to keep my hype high. Yeah, yeah. Kept off Reddit. Kept off Facebook groups. Keeping my hype nice and high. Mm-hmm. Just Always. watching reveals. And I guess the new anime starts. Uh, starts. Yeah, it starts this Saturday. Yeah. Yep. Happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. We get to actually the the, the people. Oh, that's who... not what I was gonna say, but all right. Well, no, no. <laughs> just like the people who watch uh, or you know get the podcast via YouTube, it usually comes out for. You guys on Saturdays, so uh, happy Anime Day to YouTube listeners. Um, yep. Oh, and then one more thing I wanted to add was, so I'm a huge fan of the Great War YouTube channel, which covers World War One, and Ashura Kaiser very much looks like he's got like a gas mask, so he, he kind of looks like a World War One soldier a little bit. I, I thought that was cool. Right. Um, I don't know. I just think it's neat. Anyway, uh, I'm looking. Old art, and so I don't see it. <laughs> oh, and then uh, the, the the new art, he's he's like facing you as opposed to kind of like looking off to the side. Um. Anyway, so uh, with without further rambling myself into a hole, let's get into. I can't believe you said that. Wait, you're kidding, right? All right. Okay, so I I don't have anything Vanguard related this week because I used two last week. And then I realized that I didn't get any after that, so I'm just going to do one that my mom sent me. My mom's one of those people who sends me, you know, New Yorker articles or whatever, and she just sent me, uh, forward, how a male contraceptive pill would work. What? Yeah. It was it, it was a TED Talk article. But why am I getting this? <laughs> like, I don't I mean, need to be receiving this through the emails. Like, we I live, I live in her attic. We're in the same house, you know? I think it's an important discussion. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, on. I'm on why board. Should the it. entirety of the, you know, why should preventing reproduction be constantly on the uh, on the end of the female? Like, I don't like. Look, I'm I'm not against the idea of a, a male birth control pill. Actually, I welcome it. It's just I don't want to hear about it from Probably my mom. mom. Sure. I don't know. I this one was a really short one, especially because we went like for you know an hour and twenty minutes, which that's cool. I'm all right with that. So yeah, that was that. Do you guys have any or? <laughs> Nope, nope. Awesome. That was can't believe you said that. <laughs> I guess I've, I've, I've stayed off all of the relevant. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know you Same. have. But oh, you too. You, you're God. Wait, you so your hype high if you constantly read the crappy Facebook groups. I mean, I mean, interesting Facebook groups. I'm, the advanced Facebook group. Oh, you're right. My apologies. <laughs> I, I I feel like I, I I just wanted to can't believe you said that. Like as a fun segment. Oh, I get. But like, I, if 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 we want to keep our hype high and our love in this game, maybe we should retire it for a while. Unless at least until the end of May. Yeah, that's yeah. When that comes out. All right, you know what? Yeah, this is the last one for a while. I hope you're as, as traumatized as I was. Um, uh, you can follow us on uh, on Twitter at Nexus at Night. Um, tweet us with episode ideas, or if you if you just want to talk to us, uh, we're happy to hear. Or, from or yell at us. Or yell at us. That's another good one. Um, you can follow me at Atlas Novak or on the Millennial Comic YouTube channel. Follow me at Wiggums Two Gs Two Gs. Follow me at Plasma Eclipse. And yeah, so uh, until next time, I was Atlas. I'm Matt, and I'm still ready for some great Dayusha action. <laughs>
and I'm Rupier, and I just stopped playing, paying attention and started playing Siege halfway through the podcast. I wouldn't bl- I, I've eaten a sandwich during this podcast before. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.